You're listening to BNF Podcast, where we integrate actionable interventions, intuitive therapy tools, mindfulness, and technology for today's modern mental health therapist. Each week, we take a closer look at a niche population as it relates to our monthly theme. Each episode is pre-recorded as part of a live continuing education lecture with online CEUs available at mytherapies.org slash BNF. I'm your host, April Neff, LMSW and private practice therapist. Welcome to today's episode of BNF. Hello again, and welcome to episode four of the BNF podcast. Today, we're going to visit this month's theme, attachment, as it pertains to adults or ages 18 plus. This is the final episode for the month, so completion of all four weeks listening will award CEs for the duration of time if you are just listening to the podcast. The Kansas BSRB has confirmed they will award CEs in increments, so of the quarter of the hour, or 0.25, 0.5, 0.75, and 1.0 based on duration. Merely add the date of the podcast title and time listened to your spreadsheet for full credit for the accumulation of your first CEs without purchase. If you choose, certificates and post-tests are available on the website for the nominal fee for the post-tests listened on this week's blog at www.mytherapies.org slash BNF. This is for those who prefer to keep all their post-test certificates. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please support us by purchasing your CE credit. That should cover all our directions, disclaimers. Now for my fellow Whovians, Alonzi. Okay, first let's talk about diagnosis and rule-outs. Within the DSM-5, it's important to note criteria F. The disturbance is evident before age five. If you're working with an adult for the first time, the odds are that the individual will not be their first experience with treatment and care. Even in the most severe cases, you might not get the information you need if the trauma or neglect was over 15 years before. Assuming again, your intake is within adult 18 plus. Noting with diagnosis of reactive attachment, F94.1, or disinhibited social engagement disorder, an adult should have prior treatment and diagnosis, so you may need an extensive social history and medical history to make sure you can rule this out. In my experience, most cases with trauma are eager to share this during an intake, but the trauma can be fragmented, long-standing, or just far in the past, so they don't remember all the details. How this affects their current judgment or their current stressors may be at the forefront of their minds. Both are a result of failure of attachment. Merely rad is when a child or adolescent refuses to be consoled by another adult. With disinhibited, we see more traditional behaviors associated with rad prior to DSM-5. Disinhibited will present that a client doesn't appear to distinguish between whether they have a relationship with a person that they barely know and then they attach. This could present like an adult struggling to differentiate between sexual partners, setting boundaries with new friends, acquaintances, or moving in together within a short duration. The kind of high-risk behaviors we see when a person tries to make a very close relationship out of someone they don't know enough about to engage in appropriately. 
all of these are at-risk behaviors that are also prominent in guess what family of the diagnostic tree? Can you guess? This question is on the test. If you guessed personality disorders, you would be correct. Personality disorders and trauma and stressor-related disorders are very close in criteria, social history, and should always be considered during our initial assessment or rule out. Pay close attention to the description of the duration of symptoms and onset to rule out PTSD and acute stress disorder, which while they can appear comorbid with RAD or disinhibited, they do rule each other out. For the purpose of assessment symptoms for RAD, you need to be present before age five, whereas PTSD can occur at any age, which makes sense when you recognize that trauma can occur at any point. Whether you have five months or 55 years under your belt, whereas attachment to a primary caregiver is during the first five years. Adulthood is strangely a point in which attachment appears to either our parenting or our relationships as an adults. We're getting ahead of ourselves though. Let's move on to in the office. So what does this look like in the office? When an adult arrives in my office who's struggling with attachment issues, we've reviewed their social history and we see that there was some severe interruption of engagement, either through divorce, loss, grief, incarceration, several different reasons. This is not the primary complaint in my experience. Again, the concern will be on a primary relationship or a more somatic in nature concern, depression, anxiety, or struggles within their change of life adjustments. Pretty much any reason other than attachments being addressed at this point because a family of origin has progressed beyond this person's focus. Many adults have already established their own families at this point. A key point at this moment is always to listen to the client, again, always listen, and discuss their problem from their perspective. Introduce and complete grounding work to establish safety in your office. Give the place structure and slowly introduce going deeper into where these problems have happened before in their lives. You would be amazed at how someone could have an entire conversation about their significant other having problems with them, not listening to them, not understanding them, and just pausing for a moment and saying, when did you feel like this? Have you always felt like no one's listening to you? Then come the tears. You may want to, but you can't go deeper than a person is ready to go, however. I've been in a session for 45 minutes during which a client was comfortable to discuss their deep-seated childhood trauma and merely wanted some quick tips for dealing with their depressive thoughts. Let's keep the other shit in the attic, he would say and then go on his way. Sometimes we want to hack our way through this, but we don't want to face the things that we do every day that make us sick. I've never met a therapist who thought therapy was easy. Your mind is perhaps the most delicate computer on the planet. It talks to us through sensations, sounds, visual pictures, smells. It pulls data from every living experience and it stores it all every day. It only retains about 10%, but it stores all this information. It runs these background applications that keep you breathing and your body healing every day. 
It's hackable computer as well. It's visually exposure to a picture seven times will give it sticky power. That's how advertising works. Seven exposures to stick in your mind. Keep that in mind the next time you don't skip a YouTube commercial. I'm on vacation at the moment and I saw literally 50 billboards to see a pirate show in Myrtle Beach. By the seventh exposure, I started wondering, would that be interesting? By the 50th, I started to recognize what was happening and assessed if they're working that hard to sell it to me. It might not be the experience I'm looking for. This is my annual vacation at the beach, by the way, something we will talk about during self-care and life design episodes later in the year. But if you hear the salt and the surf, that's not your imagination. I'm really powering through this because it's really beautiful outside. So let's go ahead and talk about a case study for purposes of keeping her to herself. I'm going to name her Catherine. For the purposes of our work, I'm going to cuss a case study, Catherine. Catherine came to me in mid-30s needing adult therapy. Timid, anxious, she filled out the paperwork and discussed her struggles with anxiety and depression. Many adults have already attempted some course of treatment at this point, so we found her thorough social history and had a troubling relationship with her mother that she actually really felt her daughter needed therapy, not her and wanted family therapy for her. Her distrust was very obvious, as she always refocused to her teen daughter who'd been engaging in high-risk behaviors. The first session was a struggle. She was quiet throughout, discussing her struggles when she would open up about misdirection in her life, wanting to finish school, but frightened she would be unable to find work at a prominent entrepreneur field fearing that her current retail job was the only one she could realistically work. Her tone and her verbal skills dropped significantly whenever we discussed her origin family relationships. She became soft, childlike voice. Her self-reports during every breakthrough followed with disturbing dreams of being chased or violent deaths. Through individual therapy, we processed the meaning of the dreams. Both the psychological death and dreams represents change, so with each death we discuss major changes and adjustments she would process through the year as major milestones, anniversaries, and even attempts of her family uh, to re-engage, her origin family to re-engage with her, were visited. For homework, we would write job descriptions that focused on her personal expectations. Example, how many people does she actually want to work with in her environment? What location? What day would be like and how much productivity would work for her? What age groups did she want to work with? What was the culture of the place around her? We really focused on those aspects that would make her excited about the future job that she was going to be working at. Instead of the typical of you make 40000 a year and you're going to do this and this is the extensive list of things we expect you to know how to do. During sessions, we would complete art that expressed the duality of her feelings towards her family and her Suedo family and friends she'd met in local groups that meet weekly, and her family of origin trauma continued to present itself again and again through these friends. She would continue to have these relationships. It's like she was magnetized to them. We would address reframing this into DBT skills building each week and process how it went. 
Now, Catherine has progressed many hurdles at this point. She's graduated, she's working successfully in her new field, and she has several skills to pull from in her toolbox whenever she encounters what we call distress tolerance in its many forms. She spends less and less time discussing her daughter in session and comes prepared to discuss her own struggles each week. So looking at this case, what we can see is his DBT skills were an excellent factor in finding some skill building so that when she encountered these family relationships over and over and over again, she was still working out her struggles with her own mother, her struggles with her own trauma every single time she met a new person. The things that she really couldn't handle, she needed to reflect on and build up from. The concerns the client can be looking at are often interpersonal in nature, so you're going to keep on working through those interpersonal conflicts, which can only revisit with each new relationship that's introduced. Let's shift now away from how to break something, but how we can fix it. Interventions. So our main interest here with adults is building, reframing their interpersonal skills. Each week, maybe assessing the skills they're using. I use a lot of DBT skill cards to go over new skills or affirm the ones that have already been learned for professional goals that I have with each client in their treatment planning. Example, client will learn one to two goals each week to manage their symptoms of blank. At home, our homework is all going to be about reframing our daily conflicts and setting boundaries and expectations, recognizing healthy or toxic relationships, especially if we are being the toxic relationship. Many people see toxic relationships in bail. They cross them out. But it's an amazing process when you have an open and engaged person actively pointing their attention and their focus on being a better person in their relationships and serving others before themselves. It's a daily practice that you take one day at a time. Entire sessions can be devoted to breaking down those conflicts and seeing what triggers what and how we can address the needs of the people around them more. We're shifting our behavior to a place of service and building a life of meaning to replace the emptiness of a quick and easy relationship or a hustle. This brings me to the final aspect of an adult with unresolved attachment issues, and that involves addiction. We are all so hardwired to attach to someone in our lives. When someone fails us repeatedly, that need doesn't disappear. It continues to present itself until we fulfill it. In some of these cases, this brings us to addiction. Why? The science suggests that unlike people, an addiction is easily fulfilled and never rejects us. It's constantly available as long as we have goods to exchange it with and immediately fills us with those chemicals that light up our brains, serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin that present themselves when we are bonded and we feel loved. The case of addiction is a thoroughly different treatment approach and deserves an entire year unto itself. So we will acknowledge it now that we cannot completely cover the beginning of a potential outpatient treatment options in this segment and will refer to inpatient treatment instead, presenting a case without doing it justice. Upon request, we've been asked for some DBT skills, so we'll repeat an earlier exercise with cards from our DBT deck. For those who haven't listened in before, in the office I've purchased a really excellent card game called the DBT deck. I will lay them out fan style and ask a client weekly to choose four cards. The deck itself lists different ways to use them in sessions, but this is my chosen activity. 
As each card is read, I then tell the client to sort the card from lowest to highest based on difficulty. This is really important because it includes two tasks that are often missing in therapy. Manifesting the homework into tasks a client can complete in real life and then also shifts the client from an emotion base to the rational or wise mind as they engage in right brain thinking and numerically order the cards. After the client completes this task, I ask them to read to me the skill in their own words. I read the card and let the client know if I understand it differently and then we discuss it. At the end, I always encourage the client to pick one card and I pick the other. Take out their phone and take a photo of the card, turning the card into a transitional object to take home with them. Their assignments often directly come from the card and I have data tracking sheet I enclosed that tracks the card three times, showing the skill was introduced, reviewed, and then mastered, or at least had been exposed to three times. So I'm going to engage in this activity now and review a few cards. My first card is See Other Perspectives. There is no such thing as an absolute truth or position that accounts for all perspectives. Think about someone's ideas or perspectives that are disagreeable to you. Now we find the kernel of truth in those ideas or perspectives from the person's vantage point. Is there a middle ground between the extremes? I would have the client then answer the question or process how that might fit in their life at this time. The second card accepts underlines the S for sensations. Distract yourself with healthy sensations. Get up and dance to loud music. Suck on sour candy or a lemon slice. Take a hot or cold bath or shower or deeply inhale a strong but pleasant scent such as peppermint. Wake up any or all of your senses in a vigorous way and notice any changes in your experience. Create a sensations toolkit with all of your favorite ways to invigorate your senses and use your tools. This I really like. I really like the idea of creating something that they can take away with them and make into a toolkit that they can have and pull out on demand. And it doesn't have to be extensive. It can be a couple of bottles of oil, essential oils, or perfumes that you keep in your purse. It can be um, something that's scented into a tissue and then kept in your purse. It could be all kinds of stuff, or in your wallet even. If it's scented, it's going to smell good no matter what. The last, third card is Wise Mind Accepts. The acronym accepts contains skills that keep you busy and distracted when you would otherwise be preoccupied by a crisis. It can be easy to dwell on what is going wrong. So instead, focus on the behaviors and accepts to get yourself through difficult times. So this would be an introduction card to the concept of accepts itself. And it kind of would be preparing, but since we do them out of order, it can be kind of confusing. So I would talk about focusing on the things that they've already grown in as far as skills and how they use them in their daily life. And the last one I have here is everyday acceptance. We often get needlessly upset at everyday inconveniences, hassles, and minor problems. Each of these situations provides an opportunity to practice an attitude of acceptance. The next time you face an unwanted situation, take a deep breath, say to yourself, this is what life is like. Cultivate acceptance every day and notice the difference it makes in your life. Sometimes it's just an action of taking a breath and deciding that this is part of life. 
I've always liked the concept that fairy tales, for instance, focus on the happily ever after, but where we really learn who this person is and what they're able to handle is through the most broken part of the fairy tale when everything seems like it's not going to get any better. And so I often think of that, I mean, some people might say character building, but I often like to think of those moments as being the parts that make you the most unique. Okay, so after that, we move on. Hold on. Here we go to the next segment, introducing technology. This week, we have just a few points on integrating technology, and this all includes increasing interpersonal skills. Again, using apps could include looking for and sharing positive images and quotes on social media, using hashtags, or even just sitting together and going through Instagram and Facebook feeds with positive hashtags or search terms. I like to use things like mental health awareness, Topeka, anxiety, therapist, haha. <laughs> Other such terms might be maybe searching similar um, thoughts you've had, positive ones, reframes, things like that. The key aspect in this is doing something that's usually isolative together. So if you're going to do this, grab another person and sit down and do it together. Several therapy apps have created mindful meditations that can be completed within a minute or more. I'm going to go ahead and disclose, since we're talking about adults, I always like to start with the adult um, meditation. It basically takes your formatting for meditation and it's called fuck that and basically replaces all of it with obscenities and it never never doesn't get a couple of laughs because it's it's not appropriate for your average person so you kind of have to feel it out and decide if it's appropriate or not or if you're going to get a really bad reaction they're gonna look at you and see a different professionalism but I, I haven't failed to have that get pulled out when it's someone who I can tell is not going to be upset about it and get a good laugh and say, this is my app. This is what I listen to. You know, it's not appropriate for everybody, but it makes me laugh. Secondly, I like looking through TED Talks or Shots of Awe, which are two-minute philosophy videos that explain complex doctorate-level findings and how they pertain to us in the here and now. So many times I hear that something too complex or it's not relatable or written well, and this is where I believe the host and producer Jason Silva excels. You may know him from hosting seasons two through seven of Brain Games on National Geographic and Netflix. He's truly an amazing writer and philosopher, and his shorts, Shots of Awe, are clocking at just two minutes or less. And I used to run them nonstop on a treadmill to feel incredibly refreshed afterwards. I'd just pop in Shots of Awe, YouTube, and I would just let them play through like 10 or 15 of them while I was running, and it felt great. Finally, engaging in an extra game such as Pokemon Go or Ghostbusters or the newly and officially released Harry Potter version of Pokemon Go. This uses smartphones and requires walking around the home, parks, or local places. The most interesting part in the game design for me is how pro-social these games are designed, with parks and other landmarks as their power-up places you need to go to get leveled up in some way. Shifting now to the end of our show today, I appreciate you joining me today, and I look forward to interacting on Instagram and Facebook, at my therapies, or through the hashtag Sapika, hashtag anxiety, hashtag therapist, and strive to respond to every post. 
Thank you for joining us. Are you interested in meeting with us live? This month's podcast is sponsored in part by the 2019 KCAP Conference on Poverty. The Kansas Conference on Poverty brings together direct service workers, agency, department management, agency board of directors, volunteers, and anti-poverty advocates from Kansas nonprofit organizations, faith-based agencies, and government offices. Join us at the Capitol Plaza Hotel in Topeka, Kansas on July 17th and 18th in our live workshops. This year's conference theme is Working Towards Prosperity. I really enjoyed this conference. I don't think I can say that enough. It will be my third year attending and my second year as a speaker. Each year, I discover new resources to add to my referral list and make friends with excellent people doing great things in my state. When you're in the business of solving problems and making change, you sometimes need to recharge your batteries and give back to other workers. We hope to see you live and in real life and welcome you to our community of change makers. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on BNF Podcast. Check out this week's blog post for relevant links, resources, and homework. If this podcast helps you or your clients continue to share our work with colleagues and consider purchasing CEUs at mytherapies.org slash BNF. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this space with us. Always remember, you are enough. See you next week.